Welcome to Stuck at Home with Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. Here are your hosts, Jason Smith and Cliff Dorfman. Huzzah! <laughs> Welcome to a new episode of Stuck at Home with me, Cliff Dorfman, and uh, this me, guy. the father of a bride at some sort of East Coast like sailing village. <laughs> um. Oh, good. Oh, the shirt and the, the hat. The hat and the yeah. beard. I feel like, yeah, yeah, for sure. You're in somewhere in New England. Yeah, it's like very New England, and I'm like just there. Maybe you know, and it's got the open shirt, so it's like having the drinks and making all the conversation with everybody at the bar. Right. You're like super away. rich, but you live with your daughter in like a shack. Yeah, exactly. right. Close to the dock. I a shack. I live on the boat, but on, it's docked on dry land. Oh, on the boat. Right. You raised your daughter on the boat. On the boat, but dry land boat. Like so we yeah, did, yeah. it's not in the water. It's just right. Yeah. And then that's next to your fishing yeah. vessels, which you have like yeah. eight of. Exactly. Exactly. Right. right. You just missed deadliest catch. <laughs> you were like runner up for right. the new I didn't, guy. I, I didn't pass the health exam. I didn't I didn't have enough drugs in my system. Captain Jason almost made it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. I just wanted to see who's your first mate. Uh what? Like who's uh, your first mate? Ritana. Uh, the first person I ever mated with. Wait, no, that's not what you're asking. <laughs> no, you, I, yeah, no. <laughs> All right. Happy Thursday. It's a day. It's a day today. What's going on with you, Jason? It's a day. Well, um, it looks like, you know what? I think um, you were talking about some Twitter problems. I think there are some Twitter problems right now. Um, <sighs> so we are not on Twitter today. I just want to let everybody know. Not that a lot of people have watched us on Twitter, but it is not available today. You never know. Hey, listen, those 50, 80 people who watch us on Twitter, you know, combined. Yeah. What are they well, going to do right now? Um, they are going to um, just have to read all the positive and optimistic things that come out on Twitter. If I if I've learned nothing from this show, it's that eighty fans that are loyal are worth eight thousand fans yeah. that don't you know that just follow you. Eighty regular fans are worth two hundred only fans. I think is what it is, right? <laughs> I deleted my only fans account. Okay, good. <laughs> I got tired. I was like, no, nope, no more Bellathorn. Yeah. This is these. You know what I think I'm going to do though. What? I think I'm going to make a um, like a don't watch and a must watch list. I think that's a good idea. I think that that's actually a really good idea. Doing like a must watch and a must, you know, and a no, don't but a watch. don't watch. Yeah, like I'm going to save you some time, and then I want to know how you use that time. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> I'm going to, I save you X number of hours every week mm -hmm. by telling you what not to watch. I want you to do some good with it. What have you done in this yeah. uh, crowded world? Yeah, what have you done to 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 prove? Wait, to uh, what is it? What have you done to make prove your place, place? Make your place in this uh, crowded world? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I can start off. I'm going to make an actual list, but I can start off by telling you: do not watch Infamous. Mm. I, I mean, it's on Hulu. I don't know what it is. To be honest, it might be some kind of Bloom thing, Blum thing. But mm -hmm. usually, his things are a little higher, you know, caliber for. Oh, like hope. a Blumhouse thing. Uh, yeah, like their low caliber is kind of high caliber. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not George Romero. It's, you know, the the new version of what that is with a lot of tech stuff. Yep. Right. And this just seemed like like real foo-foo filmmaker wannabe, like blood money floating in the air in slow motion. You know, like literal money in the air with blood on it. Like it was exploded from the safe as like the lead person is on our phone, like uh, sh live streaming in the bank that they just held up. It's, it's absolutely one of those things like, Nope, uh, -uh. don't, I'm not. No. Well, I have a question for you. Are there people out there that you trust that, um, that might have the, that know what you must watch? Listen, besides us. Yeah. yeah besides us. Yeah. Besides us. I, I, I tell you who I trust and we've had him on the show a bunch of times and now he's got a partner doing this, uh, podcast. I mean, he's he does, he writes for the observer, like senior entertainment, uh, analyst, I feel like for the observer, right? Did I get, did I get that right? Something uh -huh. like that. Right. Yeah. You know, so I'm excited. I am. <laughs> you know, so excited. Oh, you're going to ruin I my am. joke. I am. What, what joke did I ruin? <laughs> I can't because you keep, you keep delaying. what I do? Nothing. You're fine. Go. Oh, okay. Sorry, Jason. See, by the way, in case anyone wants to know, that's what it looks like when Jason gets a little irritated. I'm not irritated. I'm real. Okay. Just, just take a good look. No, just see, that's what you, that's the trick. That's the trick. <laughs> that's what, um, that's what, what's his face uses too. He says I'm irritated. That's what makes me irritated. That's what. Yeah. The worst thing you can tell someone is calm down. Just calm down. Don't tell me to calm down. Like the second someone says calm down, you fucking calm down. All right. Without any further ado, before Jason actually is 
not calm anymore. Let us bring on my dear friend, Brandon Katz and Gene Bentley from Must Watch Netflix Edition Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, Brandon, Gene, what's up? How are you guys doing today? Good. What did we lose, Gene? Oh, do we have some technical difficulties? I thought we harbored all this. Harbored. I thought we worked all this out. I don't know why. Hey! Hey! Guys, sorry my internet decided to hate me. It's fine. It's uh, I think Mercury's in retrograde, isn't it? It is, but the last time of 2020, so... Yeah, but it happens every like four months anyway. Yeah, whatever so that means. Also, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, my, mine's going <laughs> swimmingly, by the way. So, Brandon, welcome back. Gene, welcome for the first time. How Hi. is everyone today? Doing Moving good, toward man. Halloween. How are you doing? Out of my closet. <laughs> <laughs> is that where you got relegated to, Gene? Is the closet? Uh, it's the softest place in my apartment, so softest uh i'm doing well thank you brandon uh thank you gene i'm uh i'm hanging in it's a weird thursday which i like um and there's weird stuff on right like netflix who they're they're doing like uh what the heck's going on here with this halloween streaming who beat i'm too uh, maybe out of the loop so i need you guys to start filling me in on what's happening cliff i would never say you're out of the loop you're one of the most plugged in people i know you're having the best podcast host you could possibly have on your show clearly <laughs> You're very plugged in. Must watch Netflix edition everywhere hey. podcasts are available. Subscribe, baby. Yeah, subscribe, <laughs> rate. I mean, seriously, this is a great podcast and it's a necessary podcast because you guys know what's going on and you understand the ins and outs of, you know, not only the streaming wars, but also like just the content itself. Simple, soft and big. But I want the simple soft first because there's a lot of nonsense that's coming on right now. Right. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Come on, Gene. Tell me. About uh, so, what am I telling you about? Let's talk Netflix? about Netflix first. Yeah, let's talk about Halloween and Netflix okay. and this idea that they're doing a streaming Halloween and it's like uh, contagious now, right? Yeah. Well, listen, I think this is Netflix. Um, Netflix is kind of copying some of the cable networks that have been doing this for a minute. You, mm. you like, you know, if you turn on your TV, AMC, Freeform, they all have Halloween marathons every year. And this is kind of the the streaming version of that. But the best part of it is Netflix can doesn't have to curate programming for nightly watches. Netflix can just curate a crap ton of everything for anyone to watch at any time. Right. So let's look at what Netflix is doing uh, for Halloween. And let's start with this because Jason and I haven't even had a real conversation about this Adam Sandler movie. So why don't I just let you guys go? Let's start with that. Ooh, Halloween. <laughs> well, I watched it. I mean, you know, so right there, that's a beginning. So you watched you it. So did I. So I did. did. Yeah. Gene and I actually differ here and we're usually pretty aligned. Now, True. I thought it was borderline unwatchable. Gene, mm. you were much kinder than I. Yeah. Why not? It was like you put it on. It was Adam Sandler. It was everybody who's in every Adam Sandler movie. And then, you know, you I went about the rest of my day. I thought it was fine. That's okay. not a ringing endorsement, but like, I, I don't know. It's a good endorsement. <laughs> I think that's fair. And if anyone who likes it out there is watching, like, more power to you. I just can't when it's that level of dumb. And not even in the dumb, fun way, like a Bill and Ted 3. Yeah, that was... Bill and Ted 3 is um, eons above the level of uh, comedy sophistication that goes into something like, what is this called? Hubie Halloween? Halloween. Hubie Halloween. Is but he playing the guy who's... Go ahead, Gene. No, say what no, you're saying. No, no. I want to know what level you're going <laughs> to expect from this Sandler the... Halloween movie, okay? <laughs> Listen, here's what I... Here, I don't expect anything. I, I have no expectations, and it still failed. Uh, it was, he's playing the guy from the water boy. Is that correct? No, no, it's a completely different character. It just happens to have another silly voice. Okay. Why does every character Adam Sandler play have to be someone who seemingly has some kind of, uh, you know, challenge mentally question. I think for Adam Sandler, listen, I I love the water boy. I love little Nicky, all those movies where he is playing someone who's just so ridiculous, audibly and visibly. Mm-hmm. This just didn't do it for me. This was so, you know, within the, the first t- uh, scene of the movie, there's like three bike falls. And I'm like, oh, okay. So this is the level of comedy we're shooting for. Like, eh. well, wait, you see, I, I can't believe we're talking about this, but, but there's three bike falls, but this is after he deftly matrix like bullets of eggs. He's like, and then he falls on his bike. It's like, dude, you can't be able to miss the eggs. And then you, you no. So go on. Maybe we're nitpicking. Gene, you, you come in with the optimism. That's it. 
I just feel like this satisfied what I expected from an Adam Sandler Halloween movie. Uh, Adam Sandler doing a funny voice, bringing in people like Steve Buscemi and, you know, Rob Schneider and all of these other guys that he always works with. And, you know, being kind of dumb, but like sweet, you know, I, I mean, it was perfectly wonderful background to work with uh, entertainment, which is its own genre. It, we've been talking about this background. What do you say, Jess? Well, I was just going to tell you, Gene, I, I enjoyed it. Maybe not for the exact reasons you did. My wife hates Adam Sandler. Like oh. nothing. Anytime Adam Sandler's on TV, <laughs> she just gets angry. Steph and I are still more like. <laughs> so that like, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be Adam Sandler just like walking on stage to grab an award, not say anything, and walk off and it'd be the worst. It would ruin her day. <laughs> so putting that movie on loud enough that she could hear it wherever she was in the house and hearing like this feeling her soul kind of get crushed like slowly i enjoyed every minute of that movie right like like every dumb voice every time like he walked in there it's like and, like has his egg thermos it was it was yeah. wonderful like i truly enjoyed it i also this similar thing happened get uh, smart with, with an ex from a long time ago uh when she wanted to quit smoking we both would quit smoking at the same time and she seemed to have a harder time with it yeah made it so much easier and more fun same thing. That's that's what this movie was. This is a so really. This movie is about your sadism. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Fantastic. That's yeah, great. I love. I that's why I movie. like gleaning these insights into everyone here that comes aboard the show. Um, and I think it also is somewhat a, a glean into Adam Sandler's sadism toward us. Listen, the guy Listen. has the shit, and I understand that. You know, at this stage, he's not super ambitious in his films. Very tired, and he's his films do well on Netflix. They are big viewership drivers. So as much as I hated it, like more power to him. I love the stand, man. Listen, I, I hear he's the nicest guy in the world. We're not talking yeah. about him as a human. As a human, I hear he's one of the best people to like walk the earth. He's yeah. charitable and he gives, and he's always working with his friends. So we're not. We're just talking about the artist. And I feel like he never got out of the Cajun boy, and for like eight years, that was awesome. And then. I just wanted to stop. And then I also, I have problems. Like, tell me, that guy gets Julie Bowen? That, okay, listen, I will. I, that, I'm not getting Julie Bowen. No. I'm trying and I'm no. not getting Julie Bowen. <laughs> and, and and there's no way Hubie's getting Julie Bowen. Oh, yeah, because she adopts foster kids. No shot. Listen, in the post-Hugh Grant era of movie making, there has <laughs> never been like a good-looking romantic comedy leading man. It's always been goofballs who are punching way above their weight class. Yeah. So give them, you know, opposite leads like that are realistic. And then I might even enjoy the movie more. Well, was listen, that movie that was out I mean, recently to... with uh, Lauren Lapkus and uh, was it David Spade? Oh, yeah. That, that was one. perfect. Like they actually, they, they're cool. Like Lauren Lapkus is hilarious, mm-hmm. but not your traditional like lead. But yeah, that was that. great. They actually Same had a Palm good... Springs. Sorry yeah. to interrupt, Jason. Yeah, that one was good. No, but no, was, was, yours is, is, good. is it like that? she's like this beautiful unattainable woman or is it that that wasn't an actual character let's be honest like (laughs) she did not have any traits or internal thought um so but that's another issue well no it's not another issue i feel like it is an issue what's that test the name of the test to see if a woman's a full character the bechdel test yeah fail 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 (laughs) across the board you know, yeah. and, and these are the things. I mean, I think there is a certain amount of like, he, they're so wealthy, it's stuck in another era that, that no one else can make movies in. Yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough to cut through the clutter. But I will say, even though I've been the one kind of hammering this movie all day, he did come out with this right after Uncut Gems. So that was like a one for them, one for me type of deal, which I can I can live with if we get an Uncut Gems out of it. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, like, don't you think that living with that just, like, nonstop, like, jaw-clenching anxiety for however many, you know, weeks it took to film Uncut Gems, like, go do something mm. really, really stupid. So that's Listen, why his jaw's so loose in this one, because it was so clenched for so long, he just had to relax it. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Good one, Jay. Jay's on fire today. By the way, I didn't think about that, and I, I feel like that's a great point, because Uncut Gems was his, you know, it was, like punch drunk love he's like i know what i did wrong in that movie i'm not going to do it wrong in this movie and he did everything right it was truly a perfect performance 
really, really impressive. So if he wants to revert back to kind of what he knows best after going so far out of his comfort zone, after giving arguably a career best performance, I can't fault him for that, even if I wasn't in love with this final product. Amen. I agree with that. And I think you made a great point. And that's a great point to lift off onto something now, something else. <laughs> what's what's next? <laughs> what, what else must we watch on, on Netflix right now? Well, on uh, Must Watch Netflix edition, our, our first episode, we also discussed The Haunting of Blind Manor, which was the anticipated follow-up season to the anthology, The Haunting of Hill House. You know, Gene and I really liked it. I don't want to speak for you, Gene, although we have covered it pretty extensively, but this was a very kind of poetic, romantic, beautiful, spooky Halloween season of television. Highly recommended for anyone who wants something that isn't too scary, but just enough to get the heart rate going. Yeah, we had a whole episode with Josh Wiggler also where we broke it down. And, uh, you know, listen, I liked it. I didn't love it. Uh, I, I thought it could have been six episodes. I think you're right about that. But I think that is something that a lot of Netflix shows suffer from, to be honest. It's like mm -hmm. when you get this kind of unlimited creative control, um, you know, maybe some t there's something to be said about constraints in making in making art. Yeah, I mean, there is. I mean, especially to the, look, to the right filmmakers, whether it's Barry Levinson or Quentin or someone, you know, they hand in their three-hour movies, but they're all great. You know, you're really not like, oh, I can't believe I have to sit through this. It's just, you have to be myopic about who you're giving this creative control to, but they have a lot of space to fill. And and by the way, it's great. It's like, you know, I'm not saying it's it's bad. Did you like Victoria Pedretti's performance, guys? I thought she was Hillary Duff for four episodes. I'm not going to lie. Because I'm not saying anything bad. Just, I never saw Haunting of Hill House. I just didn't, you know, wasn't familiar with her. And I was like, I swear to God, this is so out of the blue for Hillary Duff. I got to IMDb this. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. It's not her. <laughs> okay, so that's that's where we're talking. And and Jean, what did you think yeah. of her performance? You know what? I find her very likable. Um, so I just think that I was, you know, predisposed to enjoying it. But it is very sunny. and And I think it was you know, meant to be kind of a counterbalance to some of the darker, darker things that were going on. Yeah. And Henry Thomas, I thought was phenomenal. Yeah. So are the kids. Yeah. The, so kids the kids were great. Little That's Peppa what makes Pig. it or breaks it. Yeah. <laughs> the, right. Really, really, really good stuff. Uh, listen, here's the thing. The fact that you can, and Brandon, it's interesting. You said you didn't watch Hill House. You watch this. You don't have to. You know what I mean? That's the beauty of what they're doing with this like horror story. Yeah, I like anthologies in that way where the barrier of access is a lot easier to hop into. You don't need to be caught up on multiple seasons of television. I'm also not a big horror guy. I was traumatized when my brother made me at five years old watch Nightmare on Elm Street. I've never recovered. So this was my perfect level of like not too spooky, not too crazy. Right. I agree with you. Um, and it's not, you know, it's much more psychological. Yeah. I, did you guys like the, uh, what was it? It was nine episodes, right? Something like that. Yeah, they, I think they the all eight, blur together when you're doing the Netflix binge thing. You're like, was it? I don't know. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: agree or <laughs> don't agree. Do you agree that the eighth episode, the second to last, the origin story, so to speak, we could have cut up into twenty minutes over seven over seven episodes? I agree. Right. We you didn't know, need a whole episode of that, or did we? I understand what you're saying, but I also kind of loved how deep it went and how immersive it was. So. I think that maybe that would have would that have felt less egregious if the rest of the episodes were a little tighter and then it was just kind of this cool, you know, fantasy escape. Maybe that would have been a way to do it, too. I could get on that side for sure. If they were a little more tight, I could have dealt with the digression. What were you going to say, Brandon? I think from like episode five and on, it, it really kicks into gear. And while I agree that maybe that episode eight kind of origin story could have been spliced up a little bit more. The back half of this season is really what did it for me. I was unsure in the first couple of episodes, but once we start getting that trip through memory, memory lane through Hannah, the housekeeper, I thought that was some really poetic, beautiful storytelling that carried over into the final elements. Well, I thought that episode specifically, the Hannah Gross episode, uh, that actor uh, should be up for awards. I mean, that was great. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. a performance. You know, that's a tour de force kind of thing that you don't see that often. And she was so subtle. She, you want to talk about not over the top. This was like, and, and connected every step of the way, I thought. 
Absolutely. For this show taught us that if a kid ever talks over your shoulder, run the other way because you're about to get possessed <laughs> by a demon. Just, you know, right. you like that, why not? Yeah. And here, look, here's another lesson. Just if you don't have kids, don't hang out with kids. <laughs> I personally do not. I generally yeah. stay away I, from them. I'm kind of scared of them. It's yeah. fine. If it's not yours, like I don't even yeah. talk to other people's kids. They're like if there's another person's. You talk to them for a while. They don't have any real interest. They don't share a lot of commonalities. They don't drink or you they don't give a shit about you. Yeah. They're short. They can't even help you with stuff. Like you ask them to help you move stuff. Nothing. Just there's the really not hands. a lot of use for them. So bad review, kids. Yeah. I, don't have kids. I feel like I'm now in the wrong crowd. I, you know, I get no, I love kids. Like I have a kid. I love my kid. I'm saying I don't want to be around other kids. That's all. And if you're around other kids, like you said, Ren, you, you'll run the risk of being possessed. Yeah, that is fair. I think that's, that's, that's all I'm saying. Or Peter. Kids are a lightning rod for demonic possession. Right. And on that note, so what else do we have? Are, are we going to stay on Netflix or are we going to go to Hulu? Because I know, um, is there anything we're looking forward to coming out soon, I hope? Or no? Well, there's a lot. The continued welcome to Blumhouse on Amazon Prime Video, in which they made eight kind of horror social thriller movies exclusively for Amazon, their first streaming deal ever. They're about one to two into that. Mixed results so far, but ultimately, as you said earlier on this pod, you know, Blumhouse is a pretty high degree of consistent quality. So I'm really excited yes. to continue diving into that, especially through the holiday season. I mean, you, when, you, if you, when you're looking for Halloween material, you're looking for Blumhouse, really, these days. For sure. Yeah. A- absolutely. Wait, what's the one that is, oh, this is from the producers of Get Out and the Invisible Man, uh, this one on Amazon Prime, but we're watching the trailer for it. But what's the one that I saw that it's got Vince Vaughn, where is it, like a serial killer with his daughter? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, Vince Vaughn switches bodies with um, the actress who was in the Society, I believe, on Netflix. She was also in uh, Detective Pikachu, where she, yep. where she switched bodies with the Psyduck. So she has really found her niche as an actor, the body switching genre. Killing it. But when's the, Vin- the Vince, what'd you say, Gene? Catherine Newton, that's her name. Thank nice. you. Yeah, nice, nice pull. This is why we have a good partnership. Gene Bentley, ladies and gentlemen. So, oh, the lie. Yeah, the lie does look good. I have to say, it looks uh, kind of creepy. Did you guys see it yet? Not yet. I okay. haven't seen it yet, no. But, you know, this is essentially Blumhouse's Black Mirror for all intents and purposes, which I just think is, a, is an interesting idea, a nice counterpoint to what we already have. I'm game. Yeah, yeah I'm game too. I mean, wait, did we get back to Welcome to the Blumhouse? The Lie, Black Box, uh, well, Evil Eye, and Nocturne? Nocturne is the last one. And Boom. then also, don't forget, they have the... Um, monthly into the dark uh films that are all on hulu so there's a lot of blumhouse content that you can access streaming right now (laughs) yeah this is like when spelling owned tv it's like you know it's just you know it's a new error but wait did we answer about the vince vaughn thing is it out do we know what it is i believe it's later this month i can't tell you an exact date but jason will find out vince vaughn too i want to see him come back me too. I mean, I, I loved, uh, you know, the, the cell blo- uh, brawl in cell block 99. And so, you know, he's been picking some, some interesting stuff. He always kind of does though. So I feel like if he's in it, except for that, did you guys see that movie about the drinking thing? It was like the purge with drinking where like yeah. everyone's sober all year long. And then, the Oh, binge. this is the, the binge, right? <laughs> like they get one day a year instead of huh. a kill, they get to go get fucked up. That sounds like a horrible existence to not be able to drink all year. Right, and you'd think it would be funny. It was the guy from Santa Clarita Diet, that kid who was the neighbor. Oh, he's so funny. He's great, that guy. But it was just this, everything landed flat. I don't know, so mm-hmm. that would be on my don't Not all of list. them can be Hubie Halloween, okay? Uh, <laughs> guys, in what world is Catherine Newton the high school mascot? <laughs> By the way, that's a great point. It's like the Julie Bowen yeah, example. Fine, you know? <laughs> yeah, I bet there she's going to get made fun of in the opening scene. Somebody pushes her into the high school lockers. I'm like, no one's doing that to Catherine Newton in real life. No oh, way. Yeah. And this is the uh, from the director of Happy Death Day, right? Yeah. Uh, which, you know, again, these movies, what I love that what you're seeing, Hollywood has long relied on horror as the con- most consistent bankable genre, most bang for your buck, low budget, very expensive huge rewards. And we're starting to see that trend creep into the small screen as well with Netflix, with Amazon, with Hulu. And I think it's interesting how the entire pop culture arena is embracing horror as this big bang for your buck, big returns type of genre. I think it's a a really cool transition we're seeing right now. 
I agree completely. And I think, listen, even if you don't like horror, they're doing such innovative stuff with it that there's kind of something for everyone now. It's true. It's yep. true. That, I, like, I think that's part of it, too, because I think that horror felt a little bit like an inaccessible genre if you didn't, if you weren't like, you know, a hardcore horror fan, like, what are you going to get out of this? But I think that that is not necessarily the case right now. It seems to be evolving too. Like instead of just pure slashers, we have these conceptual movies like Happy Death Day, like this one where you're body switching. We have social thrillers like Jordan Peele is introduced into the medium. So it's not just blood and gore anymore. Right. And, you know, listen, this is what I was saying in the beginning. We're seeing it's HBO Max, it's Shudder, it's it's everybody, right? It's a, a Peacock, they're all a Disney Plus, they're all branding like Halloween is a streaming season. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Come. They're, they're basically taking over what the old strategies were on cable. And exactly. I like to mention Shudder, too, because that is a horror-specific streamer. And that, with the proliferation of direct-to-consumer uh, platforms, that's where I think we're headed. Hyper-targeted, genre-niche, very specific audience-oriented, uh, you know, sub-platforms that are essentially like Netflix mini where they're focusing on one lane. I think that's where we're heading in the next five to 10 years. Netflix mini. Yeah. What, it's what like a, this stratification. So I, 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 I get that, that, that thought and it's going to go there, but what like CISO, what, then what happened with that? Why, why wasn't that successful? I think you that think? was before it's time. I, again, I like the concept, uh, the concept of that execution left a lot to be desired. I think we've learned so much more about how to, um, market and expand direct to consumer and what works in terms of viral marketing. So I think it's just like, in my opinion, which I always say, I think Breaking Bad perfected the Sopranos formula. And I think the same thing is going on with how we mass market these new platforms. Understanding. Yeah, I also, well, I was going to I was going to bring up Quibi because I also think that Maybe that is a failure of the people at the very top not really understanding or listening to consumers. And I think that maybe that could have been an issue with CISO. The people who were running it maybe weren't necessarily tapped into the right kind of right kind of data that they needed. Yeah. Data. Ironically, just, the people that, that started CISO were the same people that started AMC. And we're we're all all came from AMC and started the AMC premium, not whatever the pluses, but actually perfected that whole thing over there that that really got amc on the on the um oh so they wait jason the, they went from CISO to amc they went from amc to CISO. oh so they they failed well they made some good content that's yeah. that's the yeah. thing like you can well i mean and they, were the one, you're not and they were the ones that really got amc on the map for all that streaming stuff did all the like second screen um pieces and really started that amc kind of connection with their online services offering the early access stuff so they pioneered a lot of stuff CISO's a tricky thing and also you got to think about i mean for me i think anytime you're doing something with universal you're gonna have problems um nbc universal is just notoriously bad at this stuff i, I mean i just keep thinking about bikini bottom when i'm looking at you jason because with that sailor <laughs> shirt I, I mean in the hat i just keep thinking about bikini bottom you're talking about really interesting stuff like on fire stuff and yet I'm just seeing Bikini Bottom. <laughs> Something going on. I mean, I'm surprised they haven't rebooted SpongeBob. Uh, I saw your tweet, Brandon, about Dexter. Uh, Jason and I were talking about this about this reboot. Gene, Brandon, what do you guys think? Uh, I'm not for it. Listen, the showrunner who who did the first four seasons of Dexter, which are the best seasons, he's coming back for the ten episodes, so that's worth noting. But at the same time, we're seeing a rash of cancellations run through the industry with largely female uh, people of color and LGBTQ plus shows getting canceled. And in favor, and instead of those, we're rehashing an old concept that ended on arguably the worst contemporary series finale in TV memory. I just don't understand. I don't like it. Put the dollars towards something new. Well, let's jump back for one second before I get to Eugene. Um, you said, uh, what, what shows, what cancellations are you talking about, Brandon? Teenage Bounty Hunters. Well, that bothers me immensely. Wait, yeah. let's just stop there. Teenage Bounty Hunters, you guys, I mean, I, lo- I thought yeah. it was one of the best shows of the year. We loved it. Oh. Loved it. Loved. What the hell? How does Netflix cancel that show? Money. Sorry. Money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. it. I mean, okay, anything else off the top of your head that you remember we call being canceled by uh, female LGBTQ? Uh, uh, there's, there's literally Stumptown on ABC. Uh, you know, canceled. Netflix, 30 shows. Yeah. Hello? On Netflix. Oh, yes. 
Yeah. shows over the course of this pandemic. Now, some, of course, are unavoidable given the circumstances, but it's right. on this trend that is emerging and very troubling for, you know, promoting diversity in, in what it is a very otherwise straight white male industry. Gene, well, do you see an observer say, is it, article? Is it odd or is it completely expected to most people? Uh, you but, can go, you're surprised it got this far. Yeah. Hey, we gave yeah. you a little. You know, yeah, we exactly. gave you a little. You got a little stuff. It's not our fault if you're not good. Yeah, no, that's exactly. the that's the party line. We so uh, think, what do you want? Yeah, you think know, about who's getting to... second chances? The yeah. worst series finale ever, or the like critically acclaimed, you know, ensemble cast glow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is uh, it's a weird, it's a weird time. I I agree with you. I, I do think it's an Observer article, maybe Brandon. I, look, I wrote it today, actually. Everyone, go check out Observer.com. You see that? I love that. You see. Check out must watch Netflix edition. Okay, so so Teenage Bounty Hunters canceled, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I like that. You guys are good. Okay, so we have all these shows that are canceled, right? And we're seeing these shows like like this Dexter thing, which to me, I just don't know why. And again, we're seeing the same thing with the uh, West Wing. I mean, you guys might be excited about this. Yeah. Is the West Wing? I feel like that was just more of a nostalgia play than mm. anything else, you know, more, more than, cause it's just like a one night only kind right. of situation. I understand what you're saying, but I'm like, for some reason that doesn't kind of doesn't track in me. the same way. Yeah, it doesn't bother me in the same but way. Dexter, <laughs> it's, it's, it's super bothersome. I don't know why it's, I think it's cause I loved it so much. And then I felt so betrayed by it. <laughs> so wait, yeah. wait, Jason, what did you pull up here? The TV shows that keep getting canceled fall into a disturbing trend. Oh, we're looking at I know his article. This was the article I wrote today that essentially <laughs> lays out uh, all the major shows canceled due to COVID. And as, as you'll see, a lot of them are female focused, people of color focused, LGBTQ. And yet at the same time, you know, we're getting a Wonder Years reboot at ABC. We're, we're getting uh, the Dexter revival. It just seems like we constantly are recycling old concepts and strategies in favor of the original properties that are being created. And, and it's a disappointing trend and, and like gene said you're right it, it's more expected at this point and then i heard hbo max dumped americana today instead of recasting oh, lapita i was so mad about that well weren't you guys excited like denai guerrera amazing lupita nyango like how do you say no to that I, that one i think was more due to scheduling but it's still a real blow well, what they say is about recasting Lupita, and that usually is something more about, first of all, it's COVID. It's not that hard to schedule. It seems money to me. They just don't want to pay her, maybe. And that, I'd, I'd like someone to look into that. Like, why not? You know, because that's someone you pay. I'm saying oh, if they're yeah. not. Yeah, I will back up a truck in front of Lupita. <laughs> yeah, but that's someone you pay. People uh, of all ethnicities want to watch her. You know what I mean? Like, there's just great, and there's great, you know, like, it, 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 it transcends. So... That's a little bothersome. Absolutely. I mean, I think Everybody's we quiet. form our own militia and just go march <laughs> on Hollywood. What do you guys think? I think us four versus Hollywood, we could do it. This is our militia. This is how and, we do yeah, it. Like, I mean, there's no crowds down there. They'll be totally able to see us. There's no uh, nothing else going on. <laughs> I, I do want to say, um, I just want to let everybody know, I mean, not that this is directly connected to this, but uh, mm -hmm. BET just picked up Brian Grazer and Lee Daniels scripted comedy, uh, Miss Pat, starring uh, Miss Pat. We're so and uh, Tammy Roman, who also happened to have podcasts with uh, Starburns Audio, which is just a total side thing. Lee just Daniels, want to let everybody know. Miss uh, Pat, everybody, check out the Pat Down on Starburns. And and by the way, this is huge with Lee Daniels. And thank God, there at least it's BET Plus and Hulu, right? I think that picked it up. So, no, it's a BET. Hulu passed. Oh, really? Oh, it went from Hulu to BET. Great. Good. They'll have creative control. It'll be nice. I can't wait to see that show. All right. So I'm sorry. The Dexter thing threw me because I no, it, it kind of ruined things for me a little bit because as much as I want content, I really don't want that. So, all right, I'm going to move on. H have you guys at all? I I'm going to jump a little. Have you, did you watch the, the season uh, premiere of The Bachelorette? I did not. I'm not a reality guy. I I'm not either, but this, this one with this Claire Crawley, I think her name is. I, I, it's fascinating. She's 39 years old. I mean, guys, seriously, watch it. I'm, I'm going. Saying. I plan to. Apparently, there's some guy that went to my high school on it. So really, gotta check it out. I think it's even I mean, better there. Whatever. I had a fraternity brother who did night uh, for married at first sight. So that was interesting. Oh, that is very interesting. Yeah. My old drinking buddies step up on that plank. 
man, here, some people just really want fame. I, I, I don't know how you just like, yeah, I'll marry someone I never met. Sounds good for TV. It's, uh, it's wild. I will say he's perfectly suited to reality TV because he is a puppy dog. and He's just a very nice, like, kind of good guy who, who maybe isn't the smartest bulb. Yeah, I know that. But he fits the archetype. Right there. So he was good for TV. I have to give him that. I love it. What do you got, Jason? <laughs> oh, nothing. I was just, I was actually going to get back to Netflix a little bit before oh, we got uh, red light. Um, have you guys had a chance to watch this Vampires versus the Bronx? I haven't. No, no. I, I keep like passing over it and going. Should like, we? Should, like, I don't is know. Yes that, or no? That's why you guys. I want to know what I, know. I must watch. We failed you, but I'll tell you one thing: you must watch, and it's not Halloween related, but it did come out last week. It's called Deaf You. Have you heard of it? Yes. Oh, no. Obsessed with it. It's so good. <laughs> it's a reality show about these college students at Gallaudet University in Washington D.C., which is this prestigious all deaf university. And so it is fantastic. These kids are all so honest and just like bear their whole souls. And also it's not about like the struggles they're facing in life. It's literally just they're in college, they're partying, they're hooking up. They have the messiest love lives I've ever seen. It is addictive. You will watch it all in one sitting. I swear it is so good. I am in. All right. All right. So check out must watch Netflix edition on Jason. On Starburns Audio. You're damn right. On Starburns Audio. That's Spotify and um, Apple Apple and and, Stitcher. uh, CastBox, Stitcher, all those places. All those places. Brandon and Gene are amazing. It's a really great show. Um, Please watch. You must. Well, please listen. You must listen to Mm -hmm. Must Watch. Yes. Listen to Must Watch Netflix edition on Starburns Audio. Check it out. Brandon, Gene, thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for coming here. We'll see you soon. Thank you guys. Bye, guys. Thank you so much. All right. Brandon Brandon Cash, Gene Bentley. I love you guys so much. I love them so much. Um, They are so good. Um, One of the things we didn't get to talk to him about, but I wanted to ask if they watched that Burt Kreischer show. Have you watched any of this uh, show, The Cabin? I don't. I don't. Burt Kreischer, I can't. You can't. No, I mean, here, man. There, there's a certain thing, right? I don't understand. It, it, art is art, right? Mm-hmm. So there is a cover for every pot. Mm-hmm. I accept that, uh, but I don't. You remember we talked about that thing about like the Grateful Dead? Like I respect it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't like it at all. Mm-hmm. I actually can't stand it. Right? But I get it. They're geniuses. I don't. Bert Kreischer does not fall into that category for me. He he doesn't fall into the Chris Elliott category. He just falls into the like, you have a lot of good friends and then you convinced everyone you're funny. And yeah. I don't see it. Now, tell me I'm wrong. Please. I'm not going to say wrong. I mean, comedy is subjective. Um, but what I will tell you is you need to watch the Miss Pat episode. It's like episode three or four. They go, everybody just goes up to a cabin. He takes Miss Pat up to a cabin. With Joel McHale and Kelly Quaco, Quaco, Coco, Coco, from. Uh, oh wait, this is a reality. No, it's not a. It's not a stand-up show. So it's basically they go up to a cabin, and I, I haven't watched all the episodes yet, but I watched this one. Basically, the premise is he's bringing them up to connect with new people. He's trying to stop, slow down his drinking, and he's just trying to make new connections with people. So he brings Joel McHale, Kelly Quaco, and Miss Pat up to a cabin so they can become friends. And Miss Pat is amazing and it's so funny she's always Uh, amazing but what you just told me by the way mm -hmm. i I will say seems interesting if burt kreischer is not acting and he's playing you know he's actually playing himself as someone who's trying to like beat his demons Mm -hmm. it's definitely it's not scripted at all um okay at at all and um in fact i'm actually i'd love for you to watch the one episode because i'm really surprised at um at what they allowed to stay in not because it was anything super controversial but like mm. very much miss pat did not get along with kelly and not that kelly wasn't trying miss pat just didn't like warm well, to her. i think miss pat when she decides you know yeah. like i was so nervous before we interviewed her mm-hmm. uh back in the day and i was like okay she's gonna decide in two seconds if she likes me or doesn't like me right. so i have to figure it out because if she doesn't it's not going to be a good interview for me right well, and she decided that she just didn't connect with her. And it was very, it was in there the whole time. There was never any sort of like redemption at the end where they're like, no, we're best friends now, which I thought was interesting. It's not a choice that's normally made in these kind of shows. Um, and I'm so I actually thought it was pretty this. compelling. I, I got to um, tell you, Jace, you're, you're, you're making a hell of a case. Yeah. So there was some, there was some actual reality to the whole thing. And it was, um, like I said, I haven't watched everything, but that's the, 
fourth episode and uh you know joel's great and kaylee's fine and 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 miss pat is like out of control funny well joel's always great yeah and miss pat is always on fire and by the way Haley, i mean don't sleep on Haley kilko is that did i I say it right no not even close but it's okay i think it's kaylee um but uh whatever whatever i don't know i'm saying like you know you don't do that show for 13 years or whatever like that she's got some chops no she's (laughs) very sweet but you you gotta you know you got you have somebody that comes from the world of miss pat who's like got been shot by her husband and shot her husband and then you have kaylee who's been been doing uh acting since she was like 10 and there's a there's a little bit of a differential in uh points of view and there wasn't anything bad like i said there's nothing crazy it's not it's just funny and it's interesting to watch two people on screen that are not they're not trying to make it better or make it feel like fake and like like pretend that it's not Mm. there like that that thing's not there especially in a reality show where it's not about them and it's not even about the conflict it's just it's just interesting to me i just thought it was really funny Listen, I'm telling you, you, you struck oil. Stop digging. I'm, I'm watching because, right, cool. uh, and by the way, if you don't, if anyone listening doesn't know Miss Pat and, and you know, you don't know, check out the Pat down on Starburns audio. Also read her book. Uh, I think it's Harper's Bazaar. Who put Harper's Bazaar? It's a uh, Harper's who put it out. It's someone good. Rat, like Random yeah. house or I don't know why I said Harper's Bazaar. Cause I just like getting things wrong. Just like, I like the way Harper's Bazaar sounds. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure who put it out there. I know it's called rabbit. Yeah, it's called uh, Rabbit. It's amazing. And yeah. uh, so so I'm just saying, if you're interested in any of this, because the show's going to come out, and that's going to be huge. Yeah, it's going to be huge. You're going to mm. okay. look back and go, we, we knew Miss Pat back when. Yeah, by the way, thank God. All right, so let's talk about some some stuff. Should we get into a couple of things? Let's get what, into it. What do you think? What do you want to talk about Lovecraft? I'm into it. You tell me. I think I, think I kind of, I mean, we have some time. And I got to tell you, um, all right, let's talk about Lovecraft. Okay. Let, let, let's let's. I will tell you that I'm watching something that I started. It came out in like 2019. Israeli director Avi something, and it was like um, it was about this town. Oh man, I cannot think of the name of it. It's on. I went through the AMC Plus thing after our episode. This uh, all our episodes this week. I really started exploring AMC Plus, and it's a true crime documentary about this uh, town bully in Skidmore, Missouri. Uh, this, this guy, Ken Rex McElroy, and uh, the whole town shoots him. And, and this they is still a true story. Have this, this is yeah, a, true story. This is on AMC Plus, or is this on one of the other little no, options? It's on, no, that's what I'm saying. So I went down the rabbit hole of AMC, AMC Plus, and then I got to the Sundance one, and this was on like the Sundance something channel. Sundance Now, maybe? Maybe, yeah. And uh, it, it's really riveting, this thing, because it's just about... First of all, it's about the idea that 60 people in a town of 440 people can just decide this person's horrible and no one's doing anything about it and they kill him and then no one gets caught for it. Still. Is it called cold-blooded or killing for love? No, the director is Avi. Is his first name. You're going to get it, though. You're going to get it. Oh, my Uh, goodness. Right. It's not he needed killing, but it's something like that. You you have five. You had 15 pages of notes for... uh, well, we don't have Avi on. We don't have Avi on. I know we have the director of Tehran on next week, which, uh, you know, that's going to be, I got, you know, how do we not have to talk about that? But <laughs> listen, at this point, I, I was just like, I don't even know if I'm going to talk about it or not because I'm still overwhelmed by The Bachelorette. It's called No One Saw a Thing, maybe? Yep. That's it. No One Saw a Thing on Sundance, right? Mm-hmm. But this is the thing. This came out in 2019. How is someone supposed to find it? Right. You know, and right. this is what we're talking about. It's kind of the reason I brought it up. Aside from that, I love it. It's why, you know, why is this happening? And we know why, but really, how are we going to fix it? You know, because right. these are great shows or good shows and they're slipping through the cracks and people are like, oh, there's nothing to watch. Right. Well, I mean, th- I think this is that fragmentation piece of it. I mean, I would be willing to guess mm-hmm. that this was shown on cable also if you had Sundance Channel. Yes, 100%. Right? So it's a problem with too many cable pieces at the same time. So now that AMC Plus is this stuff, and maybe this will grow into a bigger thing. Um, but in general, that's, that's you know, we keep using, I use Cobra Kai as an example, and, uh, and uh, you, you know, if it's, it, you put it on the bigger, the bigger the platform, the, the more people are going to, it's going to reach. Uh, Mr. Mercedes is coming out on Netflix. I, I bet it'll be huge. It just, I think it's launching for tomorrow. You think so? Uh, yeah. It's, you think it's, it'll be huge? 
Yeah, I think it'll be huge. I think the first season was really good. I don't know where Jason went, but he'll be back for sure. I think the first season was really good. Uh, the second season, uh, to me, and, and Jason, you'll have to, when you get back wherever you went, you'll have to... Uh, You'll have to tell me what you think. But to me, the second season, it was, it was unwatchable. It was, uh, I felt there was no reason to make a second season. If you have Mr. Mercedes as one season, the first season with, uh, it's not Cole Meany, it's uh, Brendan Gleeson from The General, by the way. John Borman, great movie if you want to watch. Uh, where'd you go, buddy? <laughs> now you want to give me shit every time I screw something up. I disappear or something. What happened, Jason? Uh, it only, I, I might have been uh, looking for where it was in the in the same window that this is hosted in. Um, yeah, you know that happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's 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 a lot of this stuff with uh, with these things, and I think that that's that's part of the problem. You know, as these things are all bifurcated into a million different places, marketing becomes an issue because you have to know where they are. And so, having hubs and figuring out like, I think this is actually where you start talking about. You know, as we were talking about yesterday, what role an Apple TV or an Amazon Fire Stick or a Roku could have. It's about curation across multiple channels, right? And that's where, like, this Agreed. can go away. If you don't care, like, kind of like anything else, if it knows what you like and it kind of starts finding things for you and it can find those across every single platform, you come, you you have a, you know, a very particular, you know, that's the, that's the, that's the hardware platform that wins. Well, that's the one box to rule them all. We keep right coming back to this and it's going to be uh, also about assess accessibility you know i mean because also as we move toward whatever the new normal is you got to think about billboards and buses they're not going to be the same advertising tools they used to be because people aren't out as much right i mean how much of the workforce let's say everything stops we get a vaccine in six months right mm -hmm. how much of the workforce is actually going to go back to work it's a good question know? because the truth is you don't need the overhead right microsoft We've already proven it I think Microsoft just announced that they're not going to require anybody to come back ever. Why would they? Mm -mm. Offices are a waste. No one can't work from home. That's right. I double negative. No one can't work from home. I mean, there are certain things if you're a mechanic. But by mm -hmm. the way, mechanics can come to your house, except if you need a lift. Right. Right. And if a mechanic is a, you know, he doesn't need a whole garage that he's paying rent on. He honestly could add an extension and put a lift in, but there might be a commercial thing. Except if you're dealing with those kinds of things, like running businesses out of your homes, there's no reason people can't yeah. work from home. There's certain, certain, obviously we got service industry excluded and, um, you know, um, and there are certain, you know, obviously you can do all this other stuff, especially as people become more comfortable in these situations. Um, a lot of the, the, the more executive jobs can be done. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's a lot of stuff that can't service industry and hospital workers, first responders, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but that's not going anywhere. I mean, well, not service industry, but hospital workers, first responders, that's that's staying right where it is. Yeah. The the service industry, though, I mean, really, if we look at it, I mean, and I made a living in it for I don't know how many years, you know, how long did we think that was going to last? I mean, it's just gluttony. Right. Bring me my food, Garçon. Yeah, but it's just evolved and people have stopped to leave the house because now they're just driving that food to them. Now it's bring me my food all the way from the restaurant all the way to my house and drop it off on my doorstep. And I will I will yell thank you from throughout the door because I don't want to look at your face. That's, and I that's won't give you done. a big tip. Right, exactly. I hope people are tipping bigger now, but, you know, everyone's hurting. So it's it's a very, uh, yeah, okay, <laughs> tip tip big, whatever you have. If you If you can afford to order to your house, tip big. Tip big. bigger than you normally would have, mm -hmm. right? Yes, I think that's fair to say. That okay, fair to say. so so I found this thing, and by the way, it's worth watching. No one saw a thing. So that being said, uh, let's get into the because the, we really didn't get into Lovecraft, right? Not yet. No, I mean we kind of like have skirted around it. Uh, we, we haven't talked about it at all. Little bit. I said I love that 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 creature at the end of eight. Oh, got it. Got Remember. It. Oh yeah, that but that the newest episode that creature wasn't even in that part. Right, right. So because we were saying Misha Green directed the you know directed eight, and now nine to me was where at least because remember I asked you the question. So let's talk about nine. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I, I really did. Eight. I thought the ending was amazing, but I was a little as right. we discussed. That was a little bit sloppy. That was the one you weren't a huge fan of. You felt like there was too much going on in that episode. Yeah, and I also just I don't know. There were a lot of things, and I understand they're answering them later. But the one thing I was glad they answered was the idea no listen we talked about this man we talked about the idea that it was him all the time with jackie robinson 
Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so, yeah we the so we really did kind of get into this, right? Mm-hmm. So 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 then I think we have no choice, but I, I think we get a little into the vow. Okay. I, I just I'm feeling it. Okay, do it. Let's do it. All right. You you seen the new one? Because mm-hmm. if you haven't, we I've can wait. It. I saw it. Okay. You want me to start? Do it. Bring it. Jason, I watched the new episode of The Vow. Yeah? Okay. Um, I think we said this earlier, but the more I now think about it, the more I think it might be hagiography. Because I'm wondering, I'm like, oh, the, the, this is not, the subject of this biography is not Keith Rainier. The subject of this biography is really Mark Vicente and Sarah Edmondson and Catherine Oxenberg. Right. Right. And Catherine Oxenberg, I mean, there's no reason to glorify, not glorify. I mean, she's a mom trying to save her kid. Right. And the second uh, she got her kid well, out. Well, she seems peripheral to this anyway. She just seems like she's there. She's, it's not about her, but she's a major, more focus on it than, you know, Keith is for sure. Well, but she's not the one running the documentary. That's Mark. Yeah, it is. It's Mark. It's Sarah Edmondson. It's the other guy, Gil- Gibby Gilly, whatever his name is, right? Um, and uh, it, I do think maybe Dave Schilling's right because the more I look at this, the more I feel like they're making this to tell everyone we're not bad. It's not our fault. We didn't do because. Do you remember this moment where? <laughs> We see the dog and they're in Malibu at Catherine's house. And mm-hmm. then uh, the dog comes upstairs and she's like, I remember that Catherine Oxenberg starts talking to Mark and his wife was Beth. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And uh, he says, <laughs> she starts laughing. She's like, Oh my God. I remember the first time I came to your guy's house and I saw the bed and then there was a huge dog bed next oh, to yeah. it, like gigantic. And I was like, where's the dog? And I was like, Oh my God. It was you sleeping in the bed. And she's like, yeah, I never could really get with penance. Like that was what she had to do. She had to sleep in a dog bed next to her husband for speaking out against Mark. And then Catherine's cracking up and she goes, she goes, I knew that this fucking organization was crazy at that time. And then all of a sudden Mark's like, that's not cool. It's too soon. You think I'm okay with the fact that I made my wife sleep in a dog bed? Right. I'm like, it's not uh, funny. Yeah. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. You made your wife sleep in a dog bed? <laughs> like, right. And then I realized this is they're glorifying this. Well, right. Well, they're 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 they, you know, that there's well, I I mean, and I could see to a point in the stuff where it's like there's a lot of shame to this, right? And so it would be hard for me like I guess sure. it's it's a matter of how far away and how far removed they are from all that stuff because I was thinking the same thing you were I was like, "All right, this, she's just trying to make light of something that's ridiculous." Just absolutely ridiculous. And you're taking it like that other way where it's like but I guess, you know, but I could also see this, like, this is that, that, well, this is the part that Mark doesn't want to talk about. And I'm at least glad they put it in there. Like you should feel ashamed for putting your wife in a dog bed and you shouldn't think it's funny, but at the same time you did it, you both did some crazy things. She's got somebody else's name tattooed into her cooter now. And it's not Wait, funny, but it's, Beth didn't get the, well, not, the brand. not Beth, but Sarah, but Sarah. that's the other thing, right? So we see Sarah and, and, uh, you know, she's like talking to the camera guy and it's, it's, it's a very weird dynamic. It's a weird dynamic. And I'm feeling like the more I'm watching it, the more they're trying to put these people on some kind of pedestal to the degree of like, we're going to prove to you that we didn't sex traffic people. Right. It wasn't our fault. We didn't do these things to each other or to others. Um, well, here's my question for you. Was See, is all this stuff that we're seeing stuff that he recorded at the time, or is he recreating it? Is Mark recreating it? Well, Mar- well, he didn't direct the, the documentary, so the right. good news is you right. know, but the, they but, might be. But uh, the, they... But this all all this stuff happened before they were doing the documentary, right? A lot of this stuff was recorded pre-actual documentary. They were still in it. So who, you know, are they recreating those pieces or is this stuff that he pre-recorded and gave to the documentarians? Because they're, I think it has to be stuff that he recorded and gave to them. Right. So that's the person he's talking, they're talking to these people on the other side of the camera. Aren't necessarily the people that did this whole documentary. I think that's a lot. I of didn't realize that. that. Well, I, I mean, it, maybe it's not, maybe they, they, they've been there for the whole time, but that's weird too. Like this documentary comes out four, three or four years later and they were in it. It's not at weird the, at all. The second the the, time, uh, the second the case breaks, they you know uh, they were the documentarian scramble. These guys, but there there these were there were there's a lot of stuff and there's a lot of there's a lot of the same exact tape from before Mark actually coming out, getting out of it and all that stuff. This is stuff. Yeah, 
that stuff yeah. they gathered. But like, you know what? Let's not pontificate on it. Why don't you just check it out, you know, and see if we can find something. And, and then, because that is a super interesting point, Jason, it, you know, and it does make a difference in how we're seeing some of these scenes. That being said, you know, if you're, if you're recreating or not, you know, to make it about you getting mad that Catherine was laughing about it and saying it's too soon, just go, yeah, I'm ashamed. Like, you know, if you're, you know, cause it's one thing to have the nerve to show it. Okay. And then it's another thing, how you react to it. You know, it was your action. You have right. to react to it. You know, no matter what happened, even if Keith said, oh, well, you have to make her sleep in the bed cause she spoke out against you, which I don't know, that seems right there. I mean, did, did, you know what I want to know, Jason, did Mark have to sleep in the bed ever? Probably not. I, I, my guess is my hypothesis is no, but I, I would like to know. I'll look that up here. I'm going to read this. Tell me what you got. Uh, Okay. So sorry. For some reason it missed it. Uh, Tracing when the vow was filmed is a little confusing. It's not exactly linear. Um, The, the truth is production began in 2017 as a means of self protection for Vicente and the other defectors who did not initially set out to create the docuseries. Uh, Following a number of people, the show was directed by Oscar nominated couple. Um, I can't say their names and I'm not going to try. Um, no, no, Haim, N-O-U-J-I-A-I-M mm-hmm. is one of those people, has a link with ne- Nexium. She met uh, Nexium official Sarah Brofman in 2008 while attending a conference, conference on Richard Branson's island. Mm-hmm. With encouragement from Brofman and Vicente, she then took the program's flamship course two years later. Um, Vicente didn't attend. It struck her strange since she, ca- she did the thing. So then Vicente told her about this, and so she be- they began recording in 2017 to protect okay keith okay so here's the thing uh to protect mark mark sorry mark okay so so here's the thing i have to say first dave Schilling's right all right i gave him shit he doesn't know about any of this except that he listens but you know no i I know he listens so i know he knows but uh, you know i gave him shit but he's right so so this is not a true documentary Mm -mm. this is a um this is a, a got a bias you're not looking at Alex Gibney. You're not looking at, uh, oh God, what, what's his, uh, what the gentleman's name who we were fortunate enough to have who, uh, who did the uh, uh, Finding Fr- the Freedmans and uh, the Robert Durst one and the, the, the wilderness of uh, fear. That was uh, Mark yeah. Smerling. Smerling? Mark, Mark Smerling. Yeah. I mean, you know, these are, these are the, the real non-involved, unbiased documentarians. They're not mm-hmm. taking a side. And we are seeing a side being taken. Mark was friends with her or him. And so really, Mark is pulling strings behind this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark was, I mean, this the, the whole point of this thing, I think, was really to protect yeah. them and show that, you know, at the same time, re, you know, reveal this thing and get the, get everybody out of it and close this thing down. But based on what we know about the the Nexium program and how and how Keith deals with this kind of stuff and then the lawsuits and what they do to mm-hmm. hurt people, I think the only way they felt like they could be completely protected was to document all of it. Right. Like you got to document every single piece of it. Otherwise he's going to go in and do that thing where he does like, and they had some points, right? but uh, I don't think everybody was uh, completely uh, authentic for their reasoning. So I'm going to have to sue everybody for a hundred million dollars. Sorry. And I'm going to spend as much money as possible to kill them. Uh, Listen, uh, this is really an interesting thing you brought up. Jason, and that you just kind of unveiled is this uh, kind of handoff of film, you know, footage and the reasoning to protect Mark. And then it became a show. Well, now let's make sure we get our story out there. We're not bad. So it is hagiography. Okay. All right. Uh, It doesn't mean it's not good TV. No, and it doesn't mean it's not a compelling story and that there isn't stuff. I mean, I like that there's some things that I really liked about this episode comparatively to the last ones. I like that it actually started getting into some of the Allison Mack stuff. Yeah. I like that we we started to kind of unveil a little bit more about like the structure of the company um, and learning a little bit more about the stuff outside of uh, Keith because he's kind of getting boring at this point. At this point, he's just a hacky, weird. Yeah, we know yeah. who he is. But meanwhile, yeah. they're still not doing the due diligence of investigation. Like, where is it? Is he the guy with that IQ? Where did he go to school? You know, like what, what, the stuff he's saying, deconstruct it or prove it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I haven't seen that yet either. No, no, we haven't. You really haven't. And I thought there'd be some arrests. So we, we didn't have that either. Not yet. And we, we have two more. I, two more. Cause that was eight. So we should have two more. 
All right. Well, you know, I'm, I, I, I just hope that, uh, listen, I still like it. It's not, uh, oh, yeah. it, it's not, it hasn't gone off the rails for me, but I just want it to, uh, kind of refocus now. Yeah. Right. I, I would like, well, I just, I think that it's ready. It needs, it, I'm ready for its conclusion. I'm ready to, I, I think they've like, you know, as we talked, I think that they've proven that Mark and the rest of these people have had a change of heart and realized that this place is trouble and are trying to get out of it and do what they, they need to do. I don't think you need to keep beating me over the head with that part of it. I think what I want to see now is I want to see some justice yes. or I want to see some boobies, but if I don't get to see those two things, yeah, it's law and showing, order. Yeah, just stop both. showing me, you know, text over like uh, like kaleidoscope yeah. colors. Right. I get it. He's bad. All that stuff's bad. Really just wreck him. Just get in there and wreck him. You know, call yeah. in Eminem, Tupac, or whoever to write a fucking diss tape <laughs> and just wreck him. Yes. But stop with the whole like beating around the bush. I don't, you don't need to be coy about this anymore. We know what's going on. Amen. And on that note. Everyone have a great rest of your day. Stay safe, stay sane, stay strong. Jason Smith. Cliff Dorfman, I love you, everybody. Have a wonderful night. Two,